0: Freaking Mule Shoe is at it again. In the uh, Liars Tribune moments ago, about uh, 40 minutes ago, Mule Shoe released uh, another pack of lies.
1: Oh man, Mike, he re- he threw us a bone today,
0: ladies. Drop this thing like yes. 40 minutes before we hit the air. How about that? And ladies and gentlemen, there's chum in the water. There is chum in the water. You are going to hear a feeding frenzy of text coming in. Yes, the Sharks are circling and uh, dropped on the Players' Tribune. Lincoln Riley explaining his decision to leave God's country for the land of egos. And look at me, Los Angeles, California. The chum is in the water, ladies and gentlemen. And, Parker, we thought, we thought we were close to getting over this, maybe. That's how I feel. I feel like Michael Corleone. I mean, come on. He didn't answer a single thing. No, he did Like,
1: that's the thing. That's the thing. He provided us no new information in this column. He just regurgitated all of what he's been saying for the last four months.
0: Including the biggest lie of them all, this modern-day Pinocchio, this teller of fibs, this guy who cannot tell the truth. Again, that this all happened quickly. You know, on a Zoom meeting on a Sunday. Did you not take a personal day, sir? I want the truth. But apparently, Lincoln Riley, you cannot handle the truth. You can't tell it. He took a freaking personal day. I don't remember a Sooner football coach ever taking a personal day during the season. Can you imagine that? No, I don't either. Oh, Oh, hell, Barry Schwartz going to take damn personal day. Listen,
1: it might have been legitimate circumstances. I don't want to go that deep into speculation. Here's what I do know. With what he said in that column about how he wished he would have had the opportunity to explain his decision Mm -hmm. to each of the staff members and players. I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and operate under the presumption that you are telling the truth as far as the timeline. Obviously, that is not the case. But let's just assume. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt. And let's say, sure, the first contact you had with USC was in the wee hours of that Sunday morning. You're telling me in the span of 12 hours, you had a five-minute meeting with your team, gave the athletic director a call to let him know, hopped on a plane to L.A., and boom, you're the new head coach at USC. You, as a head football coach for five years at the University of Oklahoma, didn't give yourself more time to process the decision, didn't give yourself more time to go ahead and, like, like he talked about in the column, explain everything to his players
0: and staff. He just dropped uh, everything and left? He ran like a chicken. He was too scared, from what I hear. He almost didn't even want to go talk to the team. And uh, somebody had to talk him into that, or at least address the team like, come on, this is supposedly a leader of men. Now, look, he's a good football coach. He hasn't won a national championship. He's a good football coach. He is a very creative offensive mind. I think he's a very bright guy, but he's got a problem with the truth. And I've even said this as mad as I've been about it, because I don't believe you leave the University of Oklahoma like that. May the ghost of Bud Wilkinson haunt you. Well, the ghost of Bud would be too classy. He wouldn't haunt anybody. But you know what I'm saying? It just, uh, look, I know there's no clean exit there. I get that. But it was handled about as poorly as it could have been handled. And, again, you could have. You could have said, look, SC, you know what? We can do this in a couple days. I want to meet with my staff. I want to meet with my players. I got to do this the right way. But he didn't. And I mean, was SC going to say, you know what? If you don't take this right now, right now, where, you know, if, if they really want, yeah, Lincoln yeah, Riley, USC which had apparently been... they did, they would have waited a while, right? They waited two and a half months, Mike. Yeah, because we know that Trace Armstrong, his agent, look, he did the same evil thing for, uh, Brian Kelly, who's also a villain now in college football and really probably was to a certain extent already. But that was going on behind the scenes. Uh, do I know for a 100% certainty that the personal day wasn't something family-related? That was my first thought when I heard that. I'm like, Lincoln Riley's taking what? Taking a personal day? He's not, not there? Man, I hope something's not wrong. I hope everything's all right with his family or You know, somebody he's close to, you're thinking about, man, it's got to be a medical deal or something. We don't know for certain, but it's certainly very fishy. And there's no way in Hades that that deal came down on a Sunday morning Zoom in two hours. You may have finalized the deal, yes, but that deal had been talked about behind the scenes by Trace Armstrong. My belief is that Lincoln Riley met with them on that day. I don't know for a certainty, but that's my guess. Makes the most sense to me. And again, if
1: indeed it all came together in the span of a few hours on Sunday morning, why did you feel need why did you feel the need to expedite the process as much as you did? At that point in time, if you knew you were taking the job, your regular season was over at Oklahoma. You had no reason to rush things along. You could have taken a couple days, said, "Hey, you know what? Let me do the right thing on this end. Let me meet with everybody, explain what's going on, explain my decision, and then I'll be out there Tuesday or Wednesday to be introduced as head coach. Why did everything have to happen in the blink of an eye on Sunday? It was, if it hadn't
0: been premeditated, it was. It was microwave. I mean, there's no way it happened in a microwave fashion, though. This was slow roasting in a crock pot for the second half of the season. It's just Trace Armstrong was stirring the crock pot. And informing Lincoln Riley, yeah, the meal's not done yet, but it's still, we're getting there. By the way, any chance you could take a personal day because they'd really like to meet with you in person? Can we do that in Dallas or something? That's my guess as to what happened. So, again, um, it's just there were no answers in that it was on the Players' Tribune, Lincoln Riley, basically starts out by saying, I really want to um, thank you for giving me this opportunity, really wanted to explain how this went down. He says a lot of good things about Norman and the University of Oklahoma. He didn't say anything like, well, the administration wasn't doing what I wanted, nothing like that. But again, it's this line that, well, I just, you know, all of a sudden it happened. And man, you know, two hours Zoom meeting and I was out of there. I mean, there's just – there's no way it went down like that. You you can't make a monumental decision like that without a lot of things going on behind the scenes for a while. And we wondered – I don't know if it started uh, really early because Clay Helton was – you know, how many – was Clay Helton there for like three games or something? Yeah, two games, I, two I believe. Two games. Two games. But the OU team seemed uh, unfocused or not as focused as we expected a team with the high expectations that they had placed upon them last year, and we were all wondering what was going on. That doesn't mean, again, that they they should have gone undefeated and won the national championship. But there was something going on where there appeared to be a disconnect, where there were moments of some good football, and there were some moments of football that were like, man... (laughs) How did we ever think this was going to be a great team? Because they didn't look like it, right? There were moments, but not enough good moments. So, anyway, it's just uh, the piece is up. It's on the Players' Tribune. It came out, uh, I think it's been about 45 minutes ago now. And when I saw this, Mark came in and said, uh, Steely, did you see Lincoln's piece? I'm like, what? What? Oh, no. And I started reading it, and uh, I think there was some smoke coming out of my ears. I really don't want to continue to be angry at this guy. I know it's immature and unprofessional. I know that, but it's just, I'm just giving you my honest feelings. And it's, again, I just don't like, it's an insult to keep telling people that's how it went down. Because I don't don't believe that for one second. You couldn't decide with your wife on where to eat in two hours, (laughs) much less let's move across country, you know, and go out to L.A. What do you think, guys? Yes, you know, and the, of the kids, of course, they want to go to Disneyland. I understand that, but there's no way that decision's made like that. I mean, that's just an insult to people. So, anyway, the bottom line is the Sooners of a spring game coming up Saturday. Our pregame show is at 1130 at Balfour. Uh, come by and see us afterwards postgame at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner as well. And they've got Brent Venables, who uh, shoot you straight, man. And I'm not saying he's like the perfect human being. None of us are. But I like what I hear out of Brent, Brent Venables, accountability, you know. And uh, I think Sooner fans are excited about that. So we'll see. None of what
1: Shoe said and continues to say about his departure adds up. Because if you were as invested in OU as you make it sound in that article – and you are coming off a gut-wrenching loss in Bedlam that leaves you on the outside looking in for the Big 12 championship game Mm -hmm. for the first time in your career as head coach, why are you meeting with USC in the wee hours of the morning? Why aren't you telling them, you know what, how about I get a night of sleep and regroup with my coaching staff on Sunday and figure out how we're going to proceed from here? Before we start negotiating this deal, no, this was personal, Mike.
0: This I, was I personal. think there was some personal stuff going on too. I, I feel like Muleshoe probably felt like they they weren't doing enough behind the scenes administratively to take him to the next level uh, for you know uh, competing in the SEC. But at the same time, again, basically the way he broke up, it's like. It's like a high school or a junior high kid would, you know, can you take this note to my girlfriend? It's, you know, it's telling her I'm breaking up because I don't have to face the consequences. Just give her this, please.
1: Uh, Somebody said on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Lincoln needs
0: a paper cut between his toes. Oh man! So uh, anyway, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you want to do business with a man who doesn't lie? He's gonna shoot you straight. How about Tim Lasher? Great Sooner, Lincoln Riley, no longer a part of the Sooner family or nation. He has been, uh, he has been cut off. What what do they call it when you're excommunicated, or what is it? Persona non grata. What is he? We'll figure it out. There's another word I'm looking for, but. An outcast? Yes, he is an outcast, yes. All right, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, your first-hour sponsor here on The Ref. You can give them a call. You need your heat and air unit service, particularly your air conditioner right now. Get it tuned up. Give Tim and his great company a call, 405-579-3113. We're just getting warmed up here on a Wednesday. Mule Shoe, has he started his fishing trip today. He started chumming the water with that ridiculous fib of a piece of fiction that he put in the players tribune that was definitely fiction all right stay with us we're coming right back okay we are back on a wednesday edition of steel man and thune at noon here on the home of sooner fans the ref radio network the lies of muleshoe continue Sticking with his BS story that, you know, it all went down in microwave fashion on that Sunday after the Bedlam loss. Yeah, right. You know what? Yesterday I thought, uh, first of all, Colin Cowherd, who uh, I've said I believe is the best in the business. But continues to be an absolute clown. I saw where Dusty came after, and the feeding frenzy started there. And then we get the Mule Shoe Players Tribune piece today where he says absolutely nothing, but continues the lie. And sometimes I just feel like this it's a total clown show. Send in the clown. Don't bother, they Oh, Blue Eyes, what a great song. But does it feel, first of all, I, I thought, man, I guess we'll have to talk about Cal Herd a little bit tomorrow. All Cal Heard wants is, I, why is he trolling OU fans so because, hard? Because he is the master of engagement. The response, I mean, does he enjoy that response that much, I guess? You know, is he one of those guys that like, oh, Oklahoma, a bunch of chickens and, you know, schooners everywhere and hillbillies everywhere? That dude went to freaking eastern Washington. He's not some sophisticated. I mean, he, he's pretty good at what he does. But, yes, uh, when I saw that yesterday and then I saw the Sooner fans came out in full force. And, look, uh, pot, meat, kettle. I'm the guy who's been dogging Lincoln Riley and, and can't get past this stuff. I fully admit that. But, man, he, that's all he wants. That is all he wants. All right, but let's talk about what's happening this Saturday. There is a new regime. It is so weird that there is a new coaching staff here at OU that the fans are still super excited, ecstatic about. Because they were – I don't know if they were completely uh, worn out by Lincoln Riley, but there were starting to be more questions than positive answers. You know what I'm saying? so they like the direction of the program they they like it and i think they think it's right uh making this move to the sec but there's still that anger that it's kind of like that scar that won't go away you know it's uh it should be healing by now and just when you think it's going to start to heal you know get scratched again or something And that's kind of what happened today but let's hear what brent has to say about this saturday the sooner's new head man excited to see how it all plays out on saturday
2: first of all you know we get a chance because college football set up we don't have like a preseason and uh you have your inner squad scrimmages an empty stadium and an empty practice field and so this is your first opportunity to really have a game simulation uh with you know a great crowd uh expected a great crowd and um, just a, a game day type of an environment and so our guys can get on the field coaches can get off the field and we can uh, show what we can do you know you get you learn Um, A lot when you're put out there and you got to make a lot of decisions on your own, manage the game on both sides of the ball and play within the rules. And, um, you know, just sometimes you get exposed uh, through uh, that game day simulation and just uh, find out where we are. You have a good feel going into the game where we're at. But, again, this is just another opportunity for us to go out and compete in a game-like situation and see how our guys respond.
0: There you go. All right, Brent Venom. Man, does that audio sound as bad on the air as it did in my headphones? Yes, it does. Oh, my gosh. Because it did not sound that way in the production room that I cut it in. It sounded Crystal clear. So there's no way I would have aired that. My apologies if it if it sounded that bad. Uh, I don't know what was on channel two in the audio coming out through the uh, press conference. Maybe it was like a freaking air conditioner or something. But I tried to put that into mono and then back into stereo and then back into mono. And it it, when I cut it, it sounded clear. So apologies. Everybody out there, because I wouldn't have wouldn't have aired that. So, anyway, I, I thought it was going to be fine. Anyway, Brent is, again, he says they put the players in a lot of, uh, you know, stressful situations where they are hoping that uh, they make the right play and make the right read and, you know, know their assignments as well as you possibly can at this stage of the game with a new coaching staff. But uh, I think he's excited. He's expecting a huge alumni weekend. Yeah, m- my apologies on the the audio. I, I promise you that did not sound that way in the production room. It sounded crystal clear. But there's a I, I guess on the second channel there was uh, there was some interference there. So yeah, you won't hear that again. Anyway, it uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Dylan Gabriel playing for both sides. What do you make of that? Just because they're splitting up the teams, obviously red-white. They're going to be on both sidelines. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. You know. Yeah, well, yeah. quarterback
1: is the one position where you don't really have to assign those guys to sides because they're wearing non-contact jerseys anyway. Yeah. And you want to be able to, especially, especially at that position, you want to be able to bring guys in and take guys out as you please and uh, be able to get not only Dylan Gabriel – exactly the reps in exactly the situations and on exactly the plays that uh, you have designed for him but also you want to be able to do the same with the newcomers Nick Evers for instance or a guy like Ralph Rucker who's been with the program a year but who hasn't participated in the spring game and was good enough last year that he beat out Micah Bowens for that number three job yeah which I you think about it, last year being QB3 in Norman, Oklahoma was no small feat because the no. two ahead of him were elite football players.
0: Yeah, and, and Spencer Rattler obviously did not have an elite year, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does out South Carolina with Shane Beamer there and uh, obviously with Austin Stogner there as well. But uh, Caleb Williams was kind of the star of the show, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was 10 for
1: 11 yeah. for 99 yards, rushed for 61 more, and he had that touchdown pass to Jackson Sumlin last year.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're expecting a lot of alums. I guess uh, Lane Johnson and Tom Ward talked to the team the other day. Uh, so, Brent is, based on what we have seen from Brent Venables, he's doing just about everything right. You know, now – we're in a honeymoon phase with this coaching staff. They can hardly do no wrong. Everything they say is, you know, is music to the Sooner fans' ears right now. But there's going to come a time where they, they might be down 14-7 to seven in the third quarter in Lincoln or something. I, I wouldn't imagine that would be the score. But, you know, and the Sooner fans, um, you know, there are going to be questions that arise during the season. There are going to be questions that arise, uh, you know, during the spring game. There are going to be some upset people on the text line Monday that didn't see something they wanted to see Saturday. And uh, a lot of times the focus is on the offense or the quarterback, but it'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma fans react. What do you think is the, uh, the thing that you want to see and most of the Sooner fans want to see where they'll feel good about saturday and not be complaining about a bunch of stuff
1: well if dylan gabriel comes out and slings it yeah and is efficient and has a high completion percentage and makes a couple of wow throws you know it's kind of unfair that this is the mindset but in an exhibition environment like this everybody wants the wow factor everybody wants one of those wow plays Mm -hmm. and so if that's what you get from dylan gabriel then great i think the fan base is going to be super excited Uh, But one way or another, just being able to know that the future of the quarterback position is in good hands, and these fans have every reason to believe that it is, but uh, being able to see that with their own two eyes I think will be big.
0: Yeah, and it, it usually it starts with quarterback, right? Uh, it well, not usually. It always starts with quarterback. So we'll see how he does. Uh, he met with the media yesterday. I think he's been very impressive. Seems to have a uh, you know kind of a calm, cool, collected, laid back personality. But Brent's been talking about, uh, and you know other guys in the staff about the way he has led in the locker room so far, which uh, they seem to be very impressed with at this point. So three o'clock on Saturday. 11:30 for our pregame show from Balfour uh, on campus corner and then we'll be at Yo Pablo afterwards. are did I see rain as a good possibility now? Rain Saturday. does
1: appear to be a good possibility
0: yes. I mean it, it's gonna have to be a downpour though right for for or Brent is not going to be you can't leave in light rain. Brent is saying he didn't care about the weather, any of that stuff what side of the stadium you're on uniforms any of that. You need to be there. So unless it's a monsoon, you're expected to be there. Jerry Schmidt will probably part the skies
1: with some Jerry Schmidt version of Thor's hammer if we do get overcast rainy weather.
0: I think you're probably right. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. All right, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. We're going to go there. here. Uh, Let's take a couple before we go. We've got Jesse Crittenden coming up in the next segment. We'll get to some of those uh, next segment and definitely in the last segment. So if you haven't heard your text yet, don't worry. We're going to get to them all. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's talk with the Norman Transcript Sports Editor covering the Sooners, Jesse Crittenden, when we get back here on The Ref. Welcome back to Rick Springfield Wednesday here on the home of Sooner fans. I'm Mike Steele, along with Parker Thune. And we bring in the sports editor of the Norman Transcript. That would be Jesse Crittenden getting ready for the spring game coming up this weekend. He's joining us on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma tax resolution line. We're going to talk about this, uh, you know, Mule Shoe Players Tribune thing here in a little bit. But... Uh, give me three Jesse Crittenden storylines for Saturday in the spring game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. First, I want to say thank you for the the Jesse's girl return. Uh, I very much appreciate that. Um, I I think first for me is, uh, I mean, the obvious one is Dylan Gabriel, but it's not just Gabriel to me. I really am excited about seeing this fast-paced offense that, that, both offensive and defensive players have have touted for the last several weeks. I mean, I think for me, just trying to dig through the numbers that, you know, uh, obviously Levy's offenses at at Mississippi were one of the fastest, you know, in the country for the last two years. But I'm really curious to see what that speed looks like, you know, if it's a lot of big plays or if it's a lot of, you know, quick chunk plays down the field, which the latter seems like that's kind of been the case. So, I know we won't see the full playbook, but that's I'm really excited to see just what that quick tempo really looks like and, and how much it's installed and how the players are adjusting to it. Um, I, th- I think. Secondly, is obviously the, this new Venable's defense, uh, Venable's and, and Ted Roof, but you know specifically, you know what does I mean? What do the coverages look like? How aggressive is this defense? You know, what are the defensive line schemes? How do these new players fit in um, on that side of the ball? How do the returning players fit in on that side of the ball? We have some uh, a few players that are you know playing new positions. So how does that all kind of work together? And I think the third one that's almost kind of been forced by by Brent Venables is I mean what is the what does the attendance look like? What's the atmosphere look like? Uh, this is such a unique spring game in you know in, in Oklahoma's history, uh, obviously with a lot of new. Um, a, a lot of new, more new than this program's kind of used to, and that's really been the message. I mean, Br- Brent Venables was at it again yesterday, talking and kind of challenging fans to come to the spring game. So normally that wouldn't be as much of a storyline, but I, I think Brent Venables has kind of made it one.
1: All right, Jesse, we need your thoughts on <laughs> whatever this is that Mule Shoe and/or his publicist published last hour in the Players' Tribune. I don't know uh, how in-depth you've had a chance to examine the article, but uh, have have you gotten the chance to
3: at least look it over? Yes, I have. I actually just read it a few minutes ago before I hopped up.
1: Oh, on. please, please give us your unbridled <laughs> thoughts on all of this.
3: Uh, honestly, my biggest takeaway is I felt, I honestly kind of felt let down from the lack of substance to it. Uh, that's kind of what my I, I tweeted about that just a few minutes ago, but I mean, it's it. The premise seems like there's going to be a lot here, and maybe he's gonna he's gonna dive into really the specific reasons why he thought it was gonna you know why he needed a change or, uh you know how I mean maybe more details than the flimsy at best uh excuse, or timeline he suggested for when all that happened and when he decided to go go to USC, but instead you know he. He fired off some some memories of his time at Oklahoma and and talked about his excitement at USC. It just to me, I kind of felt one. I I was kind of left wondering what the point was of even writing it. I don't think Lincoln Riley owes an excuse to in, or an explanation to anybody necessarily, but I I just don't know what the point was in writing it.
0: Yeah, if you're and, and I even agree with you on that. He really doesn't, uh, you know, it's his life. But at the same time, if you're going to put out a piece, you know, finally get a tr- uh, chance to address this. I've been wanting to address this for a long time, and it was it looked to me like a PR puff piece. You guys are both super young, and I'm super old. So the old people out there will get the reference. I felt like this was kind of like that ABC special that Geraldo Rivera did, where he was going to open Al Capone's vaults on live television. And they build it up, all the suspense and everything, and then he opens the vault and hmm, nothing there. Okay, have a good evening, ladies and gentlemen. There was absolutely—I felt like there was nothing in there at all. You know that uh, hadn't already been. You know we know that he's he's got good memories at Oklahoma, and all that. That was again, I think, just a PR puff piece because there weren't any real answers. I thought to some of the big questions out there. All right, I want to get back to the spring game. You you talked about three big uh, angles that you're looking at this weekend is there a story that maybe is somewhat under the radar for the spring game that maybe we should be thinking about
3: yeah I mean I I I I mean there's so many there's so many angles to look at for the spring game but I think one of the things for me is obviously Dylan Gabriel has has gotten a lot of the attention and and that kind of increased yesterday with, with Brent Venables mentioning that, I mean, they're going to split the teams up evenly, but Dylan Gabriel is going to take snaps for both teams. So, I mean, obviously that's exciting to see. You know, we're going to get a chance to see him with with a lot of the different skill players and different offensive lines on both sides. But I'm really excited to see the, the quarterbacks behind him, um, specifically Nick Evers. I mean, obviously, the, you know, the freshman four-star guy that's, um, that's come in as a part of this new class. And, I mean, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him. But, I mean, you know, obviously Dylan Gabriel is going to be the starting quarterback, but what what does it look like behind him who gets that second quarterback job? I mean, I think all indications point to Nick Evers, but, I mean, I, I think it's going to be great to see him on the field. What does it look like? He's such a young guy. But, I mean, obviously Dylan Gabriel isn't going to be the quarterback at Oklahoma forever. Um, so, I mean, you know, if you're looking – or the long future and we don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, is Nick Evers, you know, can he show something that maybe indicates he can he can be a future quarterback here as well? All right, Jesse, let me ask you
1: this. Obviously we're looking ahead to the spring game and the guys that we are going to get to see on the field come Saturday. What about the guys that we won't get a look at until the fall? And I'm thinking about guys like C.J. Colden, the transfer defensive back from Wyoming, or the two offensive tackle signees, Jake Taylor and Jake Sexton, Uh, the cornerbacks from the Tulsa area, Gentry Williams, Jaden Rowe. As you look ahead to the guys that are going to join this program over the summer, who do you think has the chance to make a year one impact for this team, but we just might not realize it until August or September?
3: yeah, that's a really good question. it's It's so hard to say, right? when you when we haven't seen them uh, you know, really on the practice field yet, um, you know, and and they haven't really had a chance to to be fully into um, you know what the team is doing yet or what the team has been doing in the spring. Um, so so it's really hard to say, but I mean, I, I think I think a couple of those guys that you just mentioned really are, um, are the biggest examples to me, especially uh, Gavin Sawchuck. So I mean, I, I, think, I think that's, I mean, as, you know, we're going to see a lot of, of Eric Gray, um, you know, in, during the spring game and we're going to see him a lot uh, coming next fall. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of, um, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for running backs behind him. So, I mean, I, I think all of those guys are, are an example, but I think the running back room has really been a point of interest for me. So I, th- I think he's a good example of that.
0: Jesse, good stuff, and uh, we'll be talking again soon. Thanks for your time again. I
3: appreciate that. Thank you,
0: guys. Jesse Crinton, Norman Transcript Sports Editor. Riverwind Casino, you want to get outdoors at the spring game? By the way, I'm looking at right now 24% uh, at kickoff and moving up to about 37% at 6 p.m. So it looks like uh, the best chance of rain would be right after the game sometime around Uh, Maybe 6, maybe 7 o'clock. But right now, uh, 3 to 5, it's looking like 24% chance of rain. You want to get outdoors in the summer, too, of course. How about some great music, some great food from some great food trucks? You can do it all at Riverwind Casino Outdoors. Beats and Bites 2022 is approaching. The first show will be May 28th, Night Ranger And Starship with Mickey Thomas. That'll be the first show out. Great craft beers from Coop Works. You can even bring the pet out there. Enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Have some great food. Have a great, great experience shopping as well with retail vendors out there. Then in June, Everclear and Sister Hazel with Deep Blue Something on June 18th. In July, two great shows. The Randy Rogers Band on uh, July 9th, followed by a Fireworks Spectacular. And then Scotty McCreary on July 30th. You can get your individual tickets Right now, they're only five bucks a piece at Riverwind.com. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. Coming right back and going right to the Air Comfort Solutions text line next here on the ref. Okay, we are back. Welcome back. Mike Seeley, Parker Thune, with you here on the Home of Sooner fans on a Wednesday. And ladies and gentlemen, We appreciate you being here. You always light up that Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line, and uh, here we go. Let's get as many in as we can. All Uh, right,
1: straight to the text line. One listener says, oh, oh, this is, I guess, in continuation of our conversation from yesterday. Listening from Caddo, Oklahoma, the little town on a buffalo trail. There Caddo reppin. Caddo's got a prospect in the class of 2026. Really? An eighth grader that's already got a Power 5 offer. The king Vanderbilt. of Caddo. How yeah. about that? Uh, okay, here we go. If you're a hiring manager offering an eight-figure annual salary to someone to lead your organization and they don't have the wisdom to consider the offer for longer than two hours, you probably don't want that guy leading your organization.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, you're right. I like that. That's why there's no way that decision happened in two hours.
1: Just out of curiosity, if there was a spring game scenario where Oklahoma was honoring both Kyler and Baker, and Muleshoe had the time to make it, would he show his face back in Norman?
0: I'm going to say no. I would say that would have to be way down the road. Way down the road. And that road may never be traveled. Uh, You know, look, time heals just about every wound, but there is going to be a large scar over this situation for a long time because it just this has never happened to OU. Where a coach, when you're at OU, you are at a Tier 1 job. You don't leave for another one. Uh, people, you know, if Lincoln Riley had left to go coach the Cleveland Browns or, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or something, people would have been disappointed, but they wouldn't have been this angry. And the Sooners' history with USC also maybe has a little bit to do with that. But I think it's more, again, just the way the whole thing went down.
1: Mule Shoe's decision to depart when he did, this comes from the text line once again, was to poach as many early signing players as possible. Yeah, I think there's some
0: truth to that. There is, but you don't think they could have waited 48 hours? But yes, I'm sure they're saying, Lincoln, we got to get on this recruiting stuff right now, man. So, yeah, I do think there is some truth to that. Again,
1: it was all premeditated, and you cannot convince me otherwise. This was in the
0: works. You think the Caleb Williams... uh, tour was all a charade the caleb williams tour what do you uh, mean wisconsin or maybe it's going to be ucla or maybe it's going to be old miss you know all this caleb williams discussion was maybe I, like you know what you should look around because it's going to look really bad if you just come straight here yeah
1: i think that's more what it was was the reality that they didn't want it to make it seem like oh you know what we're just going to usc to follow lincoln Okay, uh, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Chase says, I would just like to see great intensity from all the players this weekend, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, Dylan Gabriel slinging it a few times.
0: Thank you, Chase. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) James says, please pardon my high degree of dislike of Muleshoe when he keeps peeing on my leg and keeps telling (laughs) me it's raining.
0: Yeah, it's – I mean, look – if he would have come out and said, you know what, Oklahoma, I didn't think the administration was doing that. We weren't ready for the SEC. People would have been super angry, too. There's no doubt about that. But to continue with this facade, this fiction, that this all came down in a couple hours, is just an insult to people's intelligence. There's no way.
1: Somebody says, I truly believe if you had an FBI agent break down his behavioral profile, they will label him a sociopath. Truly. There is some narcissism there, yes. Yes. Okay, Oklahoma Johnny says, It's a troll job developed by Cowherd for Bestie shoe to float out there, knowing it will generate clicks and responses for Cowherd to dig into further.
0: Yeah, and, and I believe a lot of that statement right there. I do. But why does, why does Colin Cowherd need clicks? I don't know. You know, I mean, is he that big of an egomaniac? I guess, look, we're living in a society where everybody's looking for their attention and clicks. I don't get it. I don't tweet a lot. I just, It just doesn't interest me that much. Maybe we're going to be in a society one day. We, we're moving in that direction, that Black Mirror episode where your personal worth was basically associated with your amount of followers and retweets and likes and all that stuff. If we ever get to that society, smother me with a pillow. Totally. All right? I will sign documentation uh, for whoever wants to do it that this is i don't want to be in that society because that is complete narcissism and I, I we're already kind of moving in that direction black mirror was kind of a twilight zoneish show and there was one episode again where your personal worth basically on the cctv cameras when people were walking around had a little blurb over their head that said how many followers they had, how many recent likes, all of that stuff. And that was how they determined if the person was worth anything or not. Chase in Orange County says, in regards to the article,
1: liars never drill down into specifics. So that is why Shoe's explanation dealt with nothing but generalities.
0: I agree with that, Chase. I think you're right on the money. You don't want to get into specifics because it's harder to keep the lie out there. You you've got to be generalities is the perfect word, and um, you know don't explain too much because you're only going to dig yourself a hole. And you know, I get there. Look, if Lincoln Riley had said, "Man, you know what? Uh, I wish it wouldn't have happened this way," but I got a call from my agent. You know, midway through the season, had heard about Se's interest. Uh, was trying to focus. Look, he would have never said that because he would have been torn apart during the season. But, again, I think Chase nailed it in regards to how they're approaching this. This, to me, was kind of a pup piece thrown out there. Man, oh, you! I'm telling you, I I really did love you. I really did. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'm so – I'm kind of sorry. Which, again, like, he didn't say anything in that article that he hasn't said already. No, like I said, it was like when Geraldo opened Al Capone's vault on TV and there was nothing inside. You're expecting something. Oh, where really? Lincoln Riley's on the players' tribune? What? Really? Oh. Well, we've heard all this before. Okay, thanks. It was the same
1: boilerplate crap we've gotten from Mule Shoe in every single press conference he's ever done.
0: That's not the meal you want. The boilerplate crap does not sound very appetizing. It was an M R E. That's what it was. <laughs> An MRE.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solution sex line here real quick. If BV wins a natty in a few years, people will thank
0: Riley for leaving. Other than that, he's never welcome back. Yeah, and that's why this spring game is so needed. And, you know, if you're a member of the OU staff, a new member, and you're Todd Bates or you're Miguel Chavis or you're Brent and you're driving around listening to the sports radio, I'd be a little bit perturbed if they're still talking about Lincoln Riley this much. So, you guys, if you are, you know, you can get mad at me. I, I need to get over it, move past it. I agree. Uh, But it's stuff like this when it comes back up. It's just, like I said, nothing has – nobody anticipates a coach leaving OU for another college job. You know, and and the same thing, same agent, right, for Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, and they left Notre Dame and Oklahoma. You don't leave Notre Dame and Oklahoma for another college job unless you get fired or, you know – like I said, if Lincoln Riley had gone to the NFL – Uh, I think people would have been upset, but not nearly to this level. This is a tsunami of anger. And it would have been, you know, would have been a little wave, not a big one like the Hokusai wave. So, anyway. All right, we got another hour to go. We'll keep those texts rolling in and talk a lot more spring football. we got a lot to get to. Hour number two ahead right here on The Ref. Uh, Yes, Wednesday. Hope your Wednesday is going along smoothly so far. Mike Steele, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. Well afternoon into the one o'clock hour. Good to have you with us. Air Comfort Solutions text line always right there for you. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll get there here in just a little bit. Uh, Also... Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72, for a great deal from the Seth Wadley Auto Group and a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. That's a heck of a deal. What is going on with the Cole Adams? I was waiting to see last night, excited to get an offer from the University of Oklahoma. I, in fact, I had Parker Thune uh, notifications on and, and, and never got notified. Yep he doesn't have an offer yet. Uh is there a chance maybe that happens like today or something or what do you think? Well, from what I know, uh
1: the word is it's going to happen during spring ball. Which makes zero sense to me because I'm like at this point what are you waiting on? What are you going to see or not see in spring ball that is suddenly going to Change your opinion on whether Cole Adams deserves an
0: offer or not. During spring ball, Like, would that be during this weekend? Uh,
1: no, I'm th- next month, probably, when all the high schools are doing spring ball.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Mike. I don't know what the deal is here. I don't know what the holdup is. I don't know why OU continues to drag their collective feet in this recruitment. Because if you know you want Cole Adams and you know you're going to offer him Why are you still waiting? He showed up to campus. He took the visit. And now, apparently, it's got to wait
0: until spring football begins for Owasso High School? Hmm. It just doesn't make sense. As Slim Pickens said in Blazing Saddles, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. All right. Any other big names, new names that uh, you discovered are coming to Norman this weekend? For the oh, game? we
1: got a laundry list. I got okay. Let me just run through some of them. We'll hit the uh, hit the important ones. Okay, so Caden Green will be in town. Nigel Smith will be in town. Dylan Edwards is coming. Jaquazi Petaway's is coming. Joshua Bates, the three-star center commit, is going to be there. Jackson Arnold, your quarterback of the future. Peyton Kirkland out of the state of Florida, the offensive tackle. David Stone, the local boy, five-star now at IMG Academy. Jacoby Johnson and By Jobe are going to be there. A uh, couple, the, couple of the signees, not enrollees yet, but signees are going to be there. Uh, Gentry Williams and Gavin Sawchuk for sure. You'd figure Jacob Sexton will be there because he comes to just about every game since he committed, and I'd figure there's a good chance Jaden Rowe uh, is going to be there as well, so we'll see about that. Uh, but yeah, man, this this list just gets bigger and bigger and bigger with every single day that passes. So those are the few of the more high profile names. Still in the process of confirming
0: another several that would be huge. Do so. you think David Stone is close? Yes. Do you think that might happen this weekend?
1: Would I bet on it? No. Is there a chance? Yes don't like don't don't go into this weekend with that expectation I'll just put it that way
0: okay so again is this weekend uh, as this list keeps growing and maybe there'll be a few other names uh, on it obviously will it surpass the previous weekend which was the what the one on the 16th was it in uh, march I think it was that weekend, uh,
1: the fifth or the twenty sixth. The twenty. Those were those were the two weekends in March.
0: So this one in in the same ballpark, or does have a chance? to It's be the definitely definitely in the same ballpark. Yes, I would say very
1: comparable. Could end up being a little better. Could end up being not quite as good, depending on who they have confirmed over the last few days here, and who decides to show up at the eleventh hour.
0: But uh, no, there there will be big names on campus one way or another. All right, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. Oh, boy. Kendall says, Oklahoma staff should be ashamed. Cole Adams needs to go to Bama. Kendall is like, he's got eight by tens of uh, Cole Adams <laughs> all over the living room uh, wall and frames, I think. He loves him some he's Cole got, Adams. got the little wallet insert. <laughs> Where does he live, by the way? What city? What? I, I think sure. Kendall's from Owasso. Yeah, that's. I think he's a Owasso guy. So, yes. But, no, it is strange. There's no doubt. If Brent Venables does win a national
1: championship, can you guys print up a giant thank you for leaving card and let your listeners sign it before sending it to Tebow?
0: Sure. We'll put uh, – that sounds like a job for, uh, you know, owners. ownership could do that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One listener says,
1: I wish Muleshoe would stop talking. Trying to ruin my holiday. <laughs> Another says, Why is Mule Shoe's coaching picture still hanging in the ticket purchase shop by the stadium on ASP? Put up a Brent picture. What is that is that true? Oh boy, I, Wait, I, I man. figured this. Whoa, 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 Really? I figure the
0: students would have picketed by now if that were st- if that were still the case, but Oh, uh, yeah, that's got to come down. That's got to come down now. At least there needs to be a mustache on it or something, if it's even up there. Yeah, defaced, at, at the very least. I and mean, uh, you could do a mustache, but nothing else. Nothing tawdry. Okay. Uh, that, that was our uh, texture, actually, from Muleshoe again, wasn't it? Oh, really? I, I think it was our texture from no, Muleshoe. I'm just cycling through here. One listener says, I think
1: actions reveal true character, and Riley disappointed he wasn't who we thought he was. On a bright side, his defense was soft. The bright side is, as a lover of defense, I'm not sad for the change in direction and philosophy for the Sooners.
0: That's a good uh, summation right there. That's uh, very succinct and to the point and well-written. But and here's what I think is we all thought, man, Lincoln Riley, and, and again, I'm not telling you that Lincoln Riley can't coach football. He can. He's a really good offensive mind. Uh, and I think he's a good head coach. Is he one of one of those coaches who's going to win a national championship or multiples? I don't know. I would say, uh, could he get one at SC? Yeah. Could he, you know, become, you know, a Dabo, Nick Saban, somebody like that? I, I doubt it. But, again, to me, I, I think we all thought when he was handed the keys to the Mercedes that he would appreciate that and would probably be at Oklahoma – For whenever, as long as he was coaching in college, he would stay, be at Oklahoma, you know, as long as he was winning games. Uh, We had always thought, well, maybe to Cleveland with Baker, you know, when they got rid of Hugh Jackson or maybe to the Dallas Cowboys when they got, you know, that was always, well, Lincoln might lead, but it would be for the NFL. Nobody anticipated this, and I don't think he was as bought in here, maybe he was initially, as we thought he would be. I do think Brent is more bought in, much more bought in here. Because this is a destination job for him.
1: When you think about how many opportunities Brent Venables had to become a head coach over the years, mm-hmm. it just becomes all the more apparent this was a destination job. Lincoln Riley got the OU head coaching job because he was due for his first head coaching job anyway. Like If, it, if, if Bob Stoops hadn't handed him the keys when he did, he was going to go somewhere like Houston or Oregon, Mm -hmm. one of those uh, trendy jobs at that point in time when they were trying to replace a coach. And so it was literally a calculated move by Bob Stoops to make sure that Lincoln Riley's first head coaching job was Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, and it looked like the perfect handoff, man. It really did because Bob, you know, I think he wasn't quite as – I don't want to say bought in, but maybe as energized as he was in the past. Clearly, wanted it. Was thinking about other things, and he'd been. Bob was on the job what, seventeen years, sixteen or seventeen years, and it looked like the perfect handoff. And I, you know, I remember being on the radio saying, "This is exactly the way it should happen." Lincoln Riley has got a chance to be a big time coach. He's done a really good job already. Uh, you know, he fits the bill. He's he's ready for this, and he was. But again, I just thought he would have been more bought in. Anyway, what is that? Uh,
1: 580. BV eats moral fiber for breakfast. Mule Shoe eats Fruity Pebbles. There you go, yes. I've never had Fruity Pebbles. Where do they fall on the cereal hierarchy? They're good good
0: and sugary. Now, they wouldn't be in my uh, final four, but uh, yeah, they're good. They created a, a fine after cereal milk, too, which is also very important. The finishing milk is very important to your cereal choice as well.
1: One listener says, I cuss out Lincoln Riley every time I look at my souvenir cup and his face is on it. I think you need to get rid of that cup. You know? Or repurpose it. Let's see. What would be a, what would be a suitably dishonorable use for such a vessel?
0: Hmm. Well, I can think of a couple things. I just can't say. Uh huh. You know I I, I, think? I figured as much. But a refuse container is what I'm thinking of. Human refuse. <laughs> but other uh, than that, I'm not sure. Kendall asks why Why are you guys making me sound
1: like a crazy man? Just a proud supporter of OK Prep's athletes in my area. Look, we're all supporters of mm-hmm. Cole Adams. I don't think you'll find anybody at this station that isn't
0: on the Cole Adams bandwagon. Kendall, you said the other day that you were going to burn all your sooner gear if it didn't happen. So that's that's a little Yeah, over the okay, edge. send
1: the receipts. Send the receipts. Yeah, that pullover is in the fire today. So
0: don't come after us and say, "Why, you know, you sent it. We read it." Just saying. I'm just messing with you. All right. uh, We should take a break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley. We have corrected. Thanks to Tyler McComas doing uh, work for us. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Because I never would have aired that audio. I promise you that Brent audio that we ran first segment, second segment, actually, of the first hour. Sounded perfect in the studio. And it didn't sound perfect on the air. But we, uh, we're we going to talk more about the spring game. We're going to take more of your texts. And, again, thank you to our second-hour sponsor, Seth Wadley, and the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley exit 72 in Pauls Valley for a great deal on a vehicle. All right, keep those texts rolling in, and um, the Sooner softball team back on the diamond tonight in Denton against North Texas. OU won nine to five over Wichita State last night. How about ORU scoring six runs in the twelve to beat OSU, the second-ranked Cowboys, fifteen to nine at Oberate Stadium last night? We also have some uh, NBA basketball stuff to get into. The Suns, man, the dynamic has changed in the uh, NBA playoffs after what happened last night. We'll be right back. Keep it here. All right, we are back, Mike Steeley, Parker Thune, on a Wednesday. Thanks again to uh, the Seth Wadley Auto Group, the uh, fine folks down there in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle there, and the uh, tremendous guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on your news, you knew or used gas or diesel. Jeez, dude, talk much. How about a career in radio, talking like that? Okay. All right, uh, we will be heading back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Uh, basketball last night, uh, the Pelicans' win over the Suns is significant also because of the injury to Devin Booker who uh, had 31 last night but left late in the game. He was 7-11 from three-point range, but New Orleans behind Brandon Ingram's 37, C.J. McCollum's 23, won the game in Phoenix even that series at one game apiece. New Orleans, again, wins by 11, but Devin Booker has had hamstring issues in the past. When will he be able to come back? We may find out something a little bit later today. I wouldn't think it would be Game 3. Hamstrings can be very problematic, and you never know, but The way the Warriors have been playing, especially with that new death lineup, and Jordan Poole has been unbelievable. Uh, You know, the Suns, I I was thinking, again, before last night, we may be looking again at the Suns and the Bucks in the NBA Finals, but clearly uh Devin Booker's health is very much in question and that changes the whole uh way we look I think at the Western Conference Finals right now uh the Heat beat the Hawks 115 to 105 Trey Young at 25 but he was only two of 10 from three he is two of his last 17 from three-point range but Atlanta will be headed back home and by the way Duncan Robinson who had uh, eight of nine from three-point range in the opening game did not score last night Miami, though, got 45 from Jimmy Butler and won the game 115-105. Memphis beat Minnesota handily by 28. John Moran had 23. That series even at one game apiece after the T-Wolves won the opener. And then tonight you have the Nets and the Celtics. Huge game tonight, 6 o'clock on TNT. Celtics won uh, game one on uh, Jason Tatum's last-second layup. Marcus Smart recently named the Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, has been playing great. The Celtics have been uh, red hot during the second half of the season. That's a very intriguing series. Big game, I think, for Boston to hold serve tonight. Uh, The Sixers play at Toronto. Philly leads that series two games to none. Tyrese Maxey's been playing his you-know-what off. That's on NBA TV at 730. And the Bulls and the Bucks 830 tonight. On TNT. All right, you had your fun, Steely. I ain't right. right. here yeah. to talk about no NBA. I and want right. to hear about Sooner football. Get back to OE, would you? All right. Uh, this is Brent. Uh, yesterday at his uh, meeting with the media, talking about the current state of the Sooners heading into the spring game.
2: Three o'clock. It's coming. So um, we've had a an amazing spring. Um, really, just we uh, finished up with little ice cream Sundays out there. Uh, we're making them go into a, an accountability run, and uh, had the ice cream truck after a, we had a half scrimmage today uh, and uh, really finished up in a great way. So um, our guys have accelerated through the finish line, have been very intentional and purposeful uh, about uh, you know just having the right mindset, not just showing up to practice, but being, again, very focused and um, intense. And I've seen just great improvement across the board, some of it more incremental um, than others. But... Just seeing fundamentals improve and just how to play the game, how to practice the right way, how to compete the right way, how to show up to meetings the right way, how to run on and off the field, how to stretch the right way, how to be a good teammate. Um, just been a lot of fun, how to respond, been a lot of adversity. We've intentionally gone out of our way to put our guys in a lot of tough, strainful situations. Details. You hear a
0: lot about details when any of these coaches speak, right? I mean, they are preaching those. And you get the feeling in the past in some areas, the sooner details, um, focus on details, maybe wasn't quite where it should have been. Maybe special teams would be one area, perhaps. What do you think?
1: I mean, you can look at special teams. That's not even details. That's big picture stuff mm. that was missing from the puzzle for Oklahoma in 2021. So I don't even consider that detail, but no, beyond the glaring holes that this team had in 2021. And you look at special teams as one of those, then that fell on the coaching staff, 1000%. And the fact that Muleshoe refused to emphasize special teams beyond all of that. There is a lot as far as detail, especially at detail in technique that these coaches are making a concerted effort to educate their players on. Miguel Chavis was wearing cleats at practice on Saturday. I don't know if you saw that, but like you see the videos of him circulating <laughs> on social media where he's like lining up against his guys. Uh, I love it. He's he's in cleats at practice. That's how invested. All of these coaches are in making sure that their players are getting legitimately coached up. Not just, not just instructed, but actually coached. And again, it goes back to the conversation that we had a couple weeks ago about the analysts. Right, That's where all these analysts come into play. The analysts are the ones that are running the overall structure and oversight of practice. The coaches are spending time
0: really digging in with their position groups. Yeah, working with them individually. I like that, and you know, you've got a guy like Matt Wells who's an analyst. That's big time, right? And again, uh, simply, well, eh, why do you need all these analysts around here? Because yes, it gives them more time to actually get out there and teach. So that's modern college football. How many? How many coaches on staff? How many consultants has Nick Saban had recently? Oh gosh, you know.
1: Uh, Nick Saban's support staff could probably – like you could take Alabama's support staff, reassign them as the entirety of the coaching staff at a group of five institution, and they'd probably win double-digit games.
0: Yeah, and uh, Thad Turnipseed, you know, running the show. That's big for OU with with Nick uh, again at, uh, at Bama and then at uh, Clemson with Dabo. I mean, you talk about the two elite programs of the last, what, 15 years or so. It's been those two. And you can talk about Ohio State and Georgia coming on the scene, but that's a pretty good place for the Sooners to get their director of football ops from with that kind of background. So I, I like uh, so much about this staff. Uh, there is no doubt about it. And I think OU fans, again, that look, they love the glitz and glamour. They love seeing Baker, you know, run around and make his plays. Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts is one year at OU, again. Spencer Rattler, again, I know he didn't play very well at all last year, but five star quarterback, Caleb Williams, highly recruited. Uh, there's been so much focus on the offensive side of the ball, but they're ready to see defense again. Of, you know, the kind of defense they saw uh, when Boz was on the, you know, roaming uh, the field or Roy Williams or that, you know, that 2000 team had some star power, but it wasn't just packed with five stars, but they were a great unit defensively with a couple great players.
1: Let me ask you this, a tangentially related question. We have talked a lot about who's going to have the better slash more productive season between Dylan Gabriel and Caleb Williams. I don't know if we've talked about this. Who do you think has the better slash more productive season between Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler?
0: interesting um probably because of the conference i would go edge to caleb um and i hope that uh rattler bounces back you know um and everybody loved shane beamer when he was here so you want to see him succeed and the same thing with austin Stogner and everything he went through medically but I i would give an edge to caleb what do you think It's hard for me
1: to say because I actually think Rattler's ceiling is higher. And I know he's going to be playing ball in the SEC, but man, looking at at how quickly Shane Beamer turned that program around and the amount of guys that he's been able to bring in both via traditional recruiting avenues and via the transfer portal, South Carolina is a team that could give some people some problems next year because they won seven games last year, and that football team did not have a lot of talent. You give them talent, the likes of Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner, and I'm not saying this should be the expectation, but I'm saying – that is a team that could be knocking on the door at double digit wins.
0: Well, and you but you just said that Spencer Rattler has a higher ceiling than Caleb. Are you just talking about for this coming season? Yes, just for yeah. this coming season. Because you always I mean, been USC Caleb's number still, one
1: fan. Well, yeah, because USC is still just such a dumpster fire. Like, that's not a program that you can fix overnight. Shane Beamer already fixed South Carolina yeah. overnight. South Carolina's on the up
0: and up. Only, we have no idea what we're going to get with USC. B- but SC could win eight, maybe nine, right, if they really play well. Yeah, because that's conference is so bad. I mean, that's another reason why Mule Shoe's there. Again, pressing the easy button. It's not – it's going to be tough in year one.
1: I brought this up the other day on Locked In with Tyler. What if, Mike, what if we're sitting here come December and we're having the same conversation about USC in year one of the Mule Shoe era as we were having about Texas? In year one of the Sark era. I what if it's it. just an absolute train wreck? I, what if they I, go
0: 5-7? and seven? I would absolutely love it. Because I don't think that's off the table. I think that's very realistic. I think he's going to win there, and I think he's going to win pretty big. My question, again, is can he win? Now, this year, I think, you know, like 8-4 and four would be really good for USC. They might be able to go 9-3, and three, but I do think he's going to win out there. No, he will. Yeah, and I he think will. he's going to, uh, you know, it, look— A lot of it, I get it, man. USC is a prestigious program. If you like, you know, if you can deal with the traffic and some of the headaches out there, okay. Uh, I get that. And like I said, SC goes toe-to-toe with Oklahoma in every category in terms of history of the program. And they've got a winning record against Oklahoma overall. So I get all of that. And he's got a chance to be the new savior there, you know. So... Uh, from that standpoint, and like I said, it's easier. He's playing He's playing a municipal course in the Pac-12. Brent Venables is getting ready to play U.S. Open Oakmont coming up, you know, in the SEC. So it's going to be uh, – but I, I just – like I said, I would love to see that just implode somehow.
1: Well, and here's what I don't think Muleshoe has taken into account – it might be tougher sledding in the Pac-12 than he's anticipating because
0: Utah and Oregon, Utah and Oregon are, and had, Oregon are going right? to be two
1: really good yep. defensive teams. Mm-hmm. And
0: as we know, all you got to do with Mule Shoe is rush three, drop eight. Kyle Whittingham coaches a tough squad, right? They're yep. physical. And Dan Lanning coming out to Oregon, and you got to play Notre Dame every year. That's right. Come on, Marcus Freeman. Oh man, has there ever been an OU coach? that people are just going to absolutely root 100% against a former OU coach. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, good for Shane Beamer, man. That's awesome. Josh Heupel, all right. You know, it's sad that there's still kind of a rip between Josh and the the Sooner, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know if it's the administration, but he felt like he was wrong to losing his OC job. But I think still think that Sooner fans root for him. For Muleshoe, everybody is going to be rooting for the opposition every week. Because so, nobody's ever spat on the program like him. That's right. So get your Rice gear right now because that's who Muleshoe opens with, Rice. Go Owls. All right, we're coming right back. Keep it here. Back to the text line next here on The Ref. The lies of Muleshoe. Soon... And ESPN, 30 for 30. I did watch the shark uh, 30 for 30, which was really well done. Excellent. It's really well done. If you're a golf fan, you can't miss that. 90 minutes of greatness. It's a good uh, documentary. But Shoe continues to uh, put the lie out there. Shoe was not bought in this last season. Shoe, again, I think it at least... Maybe it was even sooner, pardon the pun, but by midway through the season. uh, How was it even early in the season? Like I said, it was was the line from the Buffalo-Springfield song. You know, where you're thinking, there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man looking for a new job over there. Telling me I get to take care. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. Again, to to continue to put out this lie that this all happened, that's not – there is no chance. So, okay, puff piece. You want to kind of – oh, the OU fans don't like me now or whatever. Okay, write your little Lies Tribune piece and try and pass it. It's not going to do anything. There is no Band-Aid that can cover up a gushing wound that is still bleeding. Now, again,
1: my argument here, Mike, is if you were truly bought in at Oklahoma, why are you on Zoom at 2 a.m. with USC officials? Of course, I don't know if it was 2 a.m. I'm obviously sensationalizing a little bit. But why are you on Zoom in the wee hours of the night with USC officials? And why does it take all of 12 hours from you going, to, going from – losing a bitter, hard-fought Bedlam game to accepting a new job. (laughs) There is no tact involved, and the fact that there is no tact involved leads me to believe that you were not bought in. Because if you were bought in, and you did care as much as you claim to care about the institution that gave you your big break as a coach, you're going to leave with a little bit more grace than that. Or at the very least, you're going to take a day – to make sure you've got all your
0: affairs in order. I am a firm believer in that Shoe was upset about the move to the SEC. And I also believe that he probably thought that uh, OU's coaching staff and maybe some of the things that uh, he had at OU, even though he had the freaking Taj Mahal for an office, that he didn't think they were ready for that move. Quite equipped. And uh, Trace Armstrong started casting the reel, maybe. Or maybe Trace Armstrong, his agent, knew that, particularly after the Clay Helton situation uh, unraveled there at USC, guess what? SC's looking. Just throwing that out there. And Muleshoe thought, here's my chance. You know, jump ship. I don't want to have to battle, go battle those guys in the SEC. And, man, I need more here. And uh, But there's no way, no chance, again, that that happened on a Zoom call on an early Sunday morning. Zero. And I believe that the missing day, there had to be a meeting maybe somewhere in Dallas or something. May, it would be my guess that there was either a really long – I believe they probably had to meet in person would be my guess. Again, I'm not saying this, for, but that's how I think all this went down. There's no way all of this stuff, you know, came together as quickly. Like I said, that you don't make a microwave coaching deal like that that quickly. Now, again, did they finalize every day? Maybe on that Sunday morning? Yes. But I, And to think that his agent wasn't orchestrating all this stuff, uh, making sure it was all happening behind the scenes, is, you know, just naive to think that that wasn't happening. Trace Armstrong, you know, got, made himself a bunch of money, made Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly a bunch of money, also made them villains. But I don't think they care. No, they don't. I don't think that. Obviously, they don't care. When, getting, when, they, when they made the moves, that showed they didn't care. When you're getting paid as much as they are, mm-hmm. you don't really have to care. No, absolutely not. So, again, I'm rooting for the sailfish to spear, mule shoe, with a non-life-threatening threat wound uh, when he does his deep-sea fishing excursion. And maybe Minnie, me Clark Stroud gets pulled overboard and dragged by the boat for like a mile. And he's, he's fine, too. I don't want anything, you know, but that would be good. Because he's always attached to mule shoe, right? Uh, if he's attached to mule shoe, wouldn't they both get dragged overboard? Well, yeah. I mean, again, nothing life-threatening, but again, a small flesh wound. That heals in like a year. <laughs> or maybe leaves a permanent scar, but there's no, nothing close to any life-threatening organ. So anyway. <laughs> oh this brought my. back, like I, I said, play Michael Corleone again, because this is what happened today. This is when Mark came in and said, did you see the uh, article in Players, the Players' Tribune, Lincoln Riley? Just when I thought I was out. They pull me back in. How do you think that came together? How do you think what came together? The Lincoln writing in the Players Tribune. Do you think that was orchestrated by you? Know what? I know these OU fans hate you now, but let's 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 get on the Players Tribune. I,
1: I like. You know I, what? I
0: legitimately have no idea what the rationale was
1: behind putting his own pen to paper and saying literally exactly the same things he's been saying for four months. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying
0: there's anything in the the piece that he wrote. There well, is no, no, no. A, there, that, like,
1: that's what I'm saying, though. I don't understand the rationale. Yeah. Because there was, like, it's literally pointless. You're not giving anyone any new information. But do
0: you think that was orchestrated by Muleshoe or, like, his agent, like Trace Armstrong? All right, you want to do a little spin control? You know what I got for you, Lincoln? They hate you in Oklahoma now. I know that's a strong word. And some people that really know you, they don't hate you. But the majority of the state, Sooner fans do. Let's, you know what, Players' Tribune, that's where we can go. You can write a bunch of good stuff about how much how difficult it was, blah blah blah. Well, it, it reeks of narcissism because
1: consider this: we had st- we we were getting to the point where we were starting to see Sooner Nation slow down a little bit with their hatred of Shoe. and they were they were starting to get past all of it. The focus was on the spring game on Saturday. Everybody was excited about Brent Venables and this football team. Not that they aren't anymore. But when you combine that with the fact that Spencer Rattler and Austin Stockner just spoke publicly with ESPN and mm-hmm. in that interview detailing yep. their perspective on the Oklahoma season, he called, he called the had, Rattler used the word toxic, right? You had Isaiah Thomas and his interview with R.J. Young. All of a sudden, oh boy, there's stuff out there that we need to address. I don't know whether it was Muleshoe Shoe or his agent that brought that to the other's attention, but. All of a sudden, there needed to be some damage control done, at least in Mule Shoe's eyes.
0: That's a very salient point right there because you're right; it had kind of subsided a little bit. I yeah, I saw Isaiah with RJ too. I did, you know, and when uh, Toxic was thrown out there. By Spencer Rattler, and he and Muleshoe were supposed to be really tight, right? Mules yeah. Hsu, they were— Yeah, he was the first that, player that Muleshoe ever recruited to Oklahoma. Right. And basically he's saying, I was done wrong, it was horrible, blah, blah, blah. And so Muleshoe, his response is, okay, well, i got to get back in control of the narrative. So again, he's trying to appease—it's it it's not— it, Do I think he has still some genuine feelings for OU? Yeah, I I think he has maybe a little bit. I'm not saying he never cared about OU. I I can't go that far. But right now, I think it's more about, man, I look horrible to these recruits and these parents right now. Wow. Toxic? What? Oh, my gosh, I look really bad. Uh, Is there a way that I can get my – yeah, play – I don't want to have to answer anything, but just put, you know, put my statement out there. Oh, Players' Tribune. Okay, thanks, Trace. Let's do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, bye. Ding. That's it. Isn't that exactly what Kevin Durant did back in the day? He did it, too? Yeah, he made his announcement on the Players' Tribune. Oh, that's right. I remember refreshing Twitter, and then they finally saw that, what? 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 Why, you son of a... I was like Chris Farley in the old SNL skit when they told him he was drinking uh, fake coffee or whatever it was.
1: My overarching point here is that the narrative, if only for the briefest of moments, appeared to
0: be out of shoes control. I think you just nailed it. I, th- I really think you just nailed it right there, is that the, the, the waters had started to calm a little bit, and now they're getting wavy and it's turning into a big wave, might go into a tsunami with all this stuff that came out in the last week, week and a half. You nailed it. Good job. Good job. All right. We're going to take a break right here. Don't forget we've got locked in coming up at the top of the hour. And uh, thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great deal on a car or truck. Great service after the sale, and you can't beat their guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel. I've killed two engines. I would have loved to have had that guarantee back in the day. All right. Stay with us. One more segment to go. Mule Shoe, we don't believe your puffy little pup piece. We don't believe it because you don't tell the truth. Fiction, a work of fiction. Again, the big fiction is oh, yeah, well, you know, when I found out USC had interest Sunday morning, I got on a Zoom and we finished this deal in two hours. Bool. You know what? So uh, Parker, I think you nailed it again with some of the negative stuff resurfacing again. Spencer Rattler calling the atmosphere toxic, and uh, you know Isaiah Thomas was on with R.J. Young, and I, I saw the uh, the sound clip, you know, where they were surprised again. It just happened that quickly. It wasn't great execution, I can tell you that. This
1: entire this entire open letter thing was bad execution for mule shoe uh let's let's examine some of the blue check reaction on twitter.com this would be more compelling if lincoln riley actually opened up rather than staying buttoned up Mm -hmm. it's possible lincoln riley wrote a piece that makes the reasons for his usc move less clear and him less likable that's hard to do in a player's tribune who put that out there uh that came from steve layman okay if I had ghostwritten Lincoln-Riley's Players' Tribune essay, it would have been 12 words long. I got offered the best job in America, so I took it.
0: Which is, that essentially is all he said. That better, be, you know, that would have been better than uh, keeping the, uh, the lie out there. Writing an open letter to Oklahoma
1: fans with the only explanation being that, quote-unquote, USC was the right job at the right time. And no other details ain't going to work like you think, man. Either
0: write the letter to OU fans exclusively or don't write it. I like that, too. And, again, uh, I think that, you know, to me it is more about, um, you know, just trying to pacify people and, and kind of let, you know. It, it, the goal was to, man, guess what? I really cared about OU. I'm so sorry. Well, doesn't it, again uh, the way this whole thing went down? And again, I believe it's all related to the SEC. And I think there was some disagreement with the administration. In my opinion, I don't have cold hard facts on that, but I'm you know I'm paid to give my opinion here, and I think that was probably part of it. And he thought, you know what, I got an easier road in the Pac-12, and guess what?
1: Ooh, I'm uh, gone. In- interesting observation via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I also think that this is a way to somehow remind folks that he was responsible for Baker and all the success OU had recently as Baker Weekend approaches. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, see, the timing of all this is just stupid. It's really stupid timing, and it does make him look bad. Because it comes immediately on the heels of Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner's interview with ESPN. It comes on the heels of R.J. Young's interview with Isaiah Thomas. And it comes immediately preceding Oklahoma's spring game and an event that is dedicated to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And Muleshoe suddenly reinserts himself into the
0: throes of all of this madness. He again he would be perfect uh, to run for office down the road because he has no problem telling half truths or non truths or just you know and believing his own bs cuz i i think at at times people who are somewhat narcissistic if that's if you're is it possible to be somewhat narcissistic and start believing? Yeah, they, they actually he'll end up believing that. that yeah, we just we just got work, this worked out. In two hours. <laughs> Somebody
1: says, "Here comes the ex back, wanting
0: to be friends."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is a pretty accurate accurate summary of how this all has gone down.
0: You know what we should do again? Mule Shoe is no longer a part of the Sooner Nation, and I don't think he should ever be back on campus again. Amber, now I'm, people will say, "Why would he be?" Well, I just don't think he should be. I don't think that he should be, because the way this deal went down, again, walk of shame time for Mule Shield.
3: The honor court has met. His name will never be mentioned again by a member of the Institute. Let him go from us forever. Yes. Let him begin the walk of shame.
0: You have to take it past the pride drum section. Of course, he's walking towards a $15 million mansion on a hill overlooking the ocean, so maybe it's not that shameful. I mean, it is shameful. The whole act was shameful, but hey. Yeah, there you go. All right, so yeah, I was uh, surprised to see that happen. Today on the Players' Tribune, but not surprised about how it was written and portrayed by him. Okay, everybody, we've got locked in coming up. Tyler McComas going to have a, a good take on this. And then uh, with Teddy on the rush, it'll be interesting uh, to hear what Teddy has to say. Everybody have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow at high noon, okay? Take care.